Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, Geekscapists. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan Lennon. And coming up, we've got filmmaker Chris White. He's going to be telling you all about his amazing new film, Electric Jesus. And I'm not just being silly with that. I honestly believe that this movie is awesome. Um, Chris has been a friend of mine for several months, and I met him uh, at a film festival. He brought me to his house. He showed me this movie. And usually with indie movies, you don't know what you're going to get because they're really hard to make. And we'll talk about that on the show. He managed to make one that is hilarious, uh, heartwarming, and also rocking. It's called Electric Jesus. It comes out November 2nd. We're going to talk all about it on a brand new Geekscape. So strap yourselves in, because here we go. Hey, Geekscapists. Welcome to a brand new Geekscape. I'm Jonathan. If this is your first Geekscape, though, we usually talk to like filmmakers, comic book creators, actors, video game specialists, or just normal fans like you. And we do it. We've been doing this for 15 plus years right here on the Geekscape podcast. We now have a network, though. You might want to explore the network. Uh, we have about 18 shows. I got to tell you, they're free on every platform. We're talking the uh the what are the podcast platforms there's the stitcher there's the spotify there's the apple podcast the google podcast i heard there's one called like dog catcher there's whatever you use to listen to your podcast we've got tons of shows for you and of course this show is streaming to you free unlike youtube facebook twitch and now twitter i gotta tell you though be careful what you listen to on the geekscape network the enthusiasm is really contagious i was listening to um not, not the video game show Geekscape Games, which is like our flagship video game show, but Derek Carnevelt up there in Vancouver, he does a show called Xbox Game Passengers, where they talk about some of the free games that pop up on Xbox Game Pass. I can't do this. It's too dangerous. They did an entire episode on this game, Hades. It's a roguelite. Uh, if, if you don't know what that means, it's a video game where every time you play it, the levels change. So you can't get used to patterns and things like that. Uh, every time you go into a new room or a new part of the stage, it changes. So this new... Uh, well, it's been out a while, but this roguelike um, Hades, they talk about this thing so enthusiastically. And I'm sitting there just trying to cover what's going on in the network, listening to this show to make sure the quality is high on the Geekscape network. Derek and his little Canadian friends talk so enthusiastically about this game. What does this guy do later that day? I go out and buy Hades and then I start playing it on my Switch. And it's too expensive to just buy games every time one of the Geekscape goes crazy about it. Go see a movie every time. Go read a comic every time. It, If you love pop culture consumerism, maybe this is for you. But, (laughs) you know, I ended up buying some video games and comics and a bunch of stuff just because the Geekscape is here to talk about it. But that's what it's for. Uh, But we're going to be talking about a movie here that I think y'all should go out and pre-order as well. Hopefully my enthusiasm is contagious and uh, you find yourselves clicking pre-order on this movie. Uh, we're talking to the filmmaker right now. Uh, his name is Chris White. He's a good friend of mine, and his movie is fantastic. It's one of my favorites of the year. Here he is, straight from Greenville, South Carolina. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Jonathan, would, 
when you were relating that story about us meeting at the film festival that we met at, that was in my hometown, Reedy Reels Film Festival. The Reedy Reels Film Festival. And it's true that I then I asked you to come to my house and watch my movie. And Dude, you did. You anything, did. Yeah, I could have been, oh. been murdered. Like <laughs> as I'm saying that story, I'm like, <laughs> so could like I? Different. I could have been murdered. Yeah. Well, I mean. Yeah, yeah. Critically yeah. murdered. Yeah, you could. Well, you could. Well, you uh, you could have actually been physically murdered. And I was. I was like, okay, two <laughs> two things. Here's here's what I think, Chris. All right, and I'll try and keep this yeah. PG. I was like, two things are going to happen here. Mm-hmm. We're going to go over and we're going to watch this guy's movie. He's been talking about it all week. I may. I, he may not have other interests. He's been talking about this movie so much. Okay, like all right. Uh-huh. <laughs> we're going to go over to this guy's house. You know, his wife is there. Heidi's with me. Yeah, it's where are they going to watch this movie? Or they're going to be into some weird shit, and if they're and like, and I and I don't know what to do because I just met these guys. I don't. I just met them, uh-huh. and we're in their hometown, and we're like in their house. Yeah. I if if the weird stuff if he comes out in like a donkey mask or something, you know, I, you know, if I walk in and there's like harnesses yeah, or a cage right. of some mm-hmm. sort, like, sure. how do I excuse myself from that? I think you just go with it would be the situ- what you would do in that situation. Okay. And I'm glad that you guys didn't run out of there when we came out in our bathrobes because <laughs> we were just trying to communicate uh, that we were friends and we were like old friends. And- you guys want to play a game? I was like, just put put the game, put the gun away. I'll do it. Just put the gun away. Now please. I'm going to start my movie. <laughs> you guys want to watch my movie? <laughs> Made it, it with was- some local kids. <laughs> more so my wife but we are you must <laughs> tell people we are very warm welcoming people that don't give off a creepy vibe no well, i'd spend the week my wife with is. y'all yeah by, by that point know. like i'd spend a week with y'all and uh, like you're not as you're not any more creepier than some of the geekscape is like uh, you know yeah it's geekscape true. you're gonna get right. some social you know you're gonna get some social uh awkwardness here I, uh, that's true yeah <laughs> Yeah, we, I love it. Though. I had such a great time, though. I'm so glad y'all came. And that was one of the cool things about having a film festival in your hometown is like cool people come to you. You hope. Mm-hmm. And it, it definitely happened. It was awesome meeting Me, you. And I got to tell you, the, uh, the you know what would have been really awkward? Because I can run away from like the weird like cannibalism yeah. or Satan worship, whatever the heck you had going on in your house there. And, and I didn't check all the rooms. <laughs> It might still have some of that stuff going down. I didn't check all the rooms. This is the I was basement too. right here, and it's, it's <laughs> oh boy, it's oh boy, not that creepy, is it? Luckily, Geekscapist, you cannot smell a podcast. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's going on in that basement? <laughs> no, it, it's fine. But uh, what would have been really awkward, and I mean this sincerely, how many times has somebody showed you their movie and it's not good, and you're sitting there and they're like, "So what do you think?" And you just have to pick your spots on what to tell them. Like we've been in that situation many times, haven't mm-hmm. we? I'm so I think, glad uh, that you scared me from that. I could have deal. I could have dealt with like y'all coming out with sex toys, but you came out with, like, <laughs> if you didn't come out with a bad movie, I would have been really, really up. I know. Yeah. That's worse. That's way worse. It's um, way worse. I've got a good, um, uh, a thing to say to people. If, if they show, you know, like, uh, an actor friend shows their mo- a director, maybe somebody in a play, and uh, it's not good. You just look at them kind of astonished uh, afterwards and just like, my God, that was so much work. And just let them start talking. They will start talking. If you say, you know, really wow, happens. so much work, they will go, oh, yeah. And then they talk and you don't have to say anything bad. That's that's if my you're hoping. You're hoping the, the conversation doesn't. Like like tapers out before you have to say it doesn't. It's not. It's always worked. It's always worked. Um, oh. Artists like to talk about their stuff, and if you're just like, wow, and you can also say, my God, you know, you're you're so passionate about this, mm-hmm. uh, and then just your passion came stuff. through. Dot dot I, dot. I've done that. <laughs> you know, we we've both taught our our share of uh, of students. And sometimes they go and they make something, and sometimes the students make some stuff that's incredible. They become peers and professionals and collaborators. And yeah. sometimes you're like, "Whoa, loved the soundtrack!" <laughs> right. <laughs> and I think I think they immediately. Yeah, I ain't good with the poker face, man. I don't or, know. Or I don't even know how to. I don't even know how to play poker. Here, you here's know, another good one. You can say, um, 
I think it was around the 18 minute, uh, 1830 seconds, somewhere in there, there was a beautiful edit. Do you know what I'm talking about? And just, again, just let them start talking. Okay. Here's where, okay. I think here's where I think we differ, Chris. Um, You're a nice person. And I, and I feel maybe it's from the comic books, but I feel that I have a social responsibility to end this behavior. If the movie's not good, Mm -hmm. I think that they should think again before making another one. And so okay, I, but... I, I sometimes say, I, let me tell you what I found challenging. <laughs> and I ease into the, oh, fuck. It really matters how much I care. You know what I mean? It does matter also how much I care. Yes, absolutely. Because you had, cause you had moments in, in your movie where, and I, and I had this, uh, Geekscape is, go back in the, in the podcast feed like two, three episodes ago. No, not not the Venom Two special. Don't watch Venom Two. Uh, not the What If special. But I had a, this filmmaker Eric, uh, and we were talking about his movie, and it's like got kaiju in live action. He shot it real indie in Oklahoma. I loved the movie. Cool. I actually loved it. Cool. Um, but you can see the you can see the seams in it, right? And I think with a lot mm-hmm. of indie movies, you can see the seams. I love those stories, right? Like remember when I I identified in that one scene that y'all were racing the sun going down. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. because it was really challenging to do a color like you're like like coloring yeah, that scene yeah, must yeah. have been tough because when you're losing light, pushing color is really hard to do in post. Right, get getting the light back to make it look even, especially with a yeah. shot that you maybe did 15, 20 minutes earlier, is really hard to match. Yeah, so sure. I love I love those stories. Yeah, but your movie, I didn't have to say anything. I loved the entire damn thing. Thanks. If anything, I mean, that, if anything, I had to fight my own anger. At, like John, I was like, "Damn, yeah. this guy knocked it out, man! You, you have to step into a ring with this guy." <laughs> well, Good luck on the festival circuit with Chris White's no, running around. No, no, we'll we'll make <laughs> stuff together. We won't we won't uh, fight. No, I I do think that you should tell the truth to people, especially and, and like you said, depends on how much you care. I do have an entry, my nice guy entree to telling you harsh stuff is I'll say, how much truth do you want? Mm-hmm. Percentage, you know, how, how truthful do you want me to be? Do you want me to be 80% truthful, maybe 10% truthful? Um, and people, usually people are like, no, 100% truthful. I'm like, okay, but this, <laughs> this really works with students too. You're like, okay, are you sure? Why don't we start at 70? It's kind of like heat on a, on a, on a Thai, uh, at a Thai restaurant. Like I can yeah. make it hotter, but I can't, bring it back down once we're <laughs> once, right once you're at seven oh, or eight, you're talking about the spicy level yeah right 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 yeah, yeah not the, the temperature because i was about to say you know how many frogs have, have boiled alive because yeah, they're like yeah. oh i can take it and then the temperature slowly goes up and before you know it they're <laughs> boiling and crying and i was like what i didn't know i was turning the temperature up you didn't know you were boiling to death because isn't that boil a lot frogs? of frogs you boil, boil a lot of frogs, frogs. You're talking about the temperature in the food, that, the, the spicy spiciness. level. Yes, you cannot so bring if, that if, down. If somebody says, "I want 100% truth," and I'm like, "Here we go," and uh, because I can't go back to 10% truth when I say, "Like the camera was always in the wrong place," <laughs> you know, like once yeah, that, yeah. once that, what you say, made, and then the whole movie's ruined. <laughs> this was an abject failure. <laughs> um, you're right because I have found myself in situations where I want to come out. Uh-huh. If we're keeping the cooking <clears throat> like metaphor, uh, some of my comments are the equivalent of when you don't wait two minutes after a hot pocket in the microwave or a bagel bite. Oh yeah, oh yeah. That oh, might be the yeah. hottest thing on the surface of the planet. Like yes. I've never been in, yeah. to a volcano. Obviously, like there's there is magma. <laughs> there are hot things on this planet. Yeah, I don't think they equal a hot pocket. Or a bagel bite if you have not waited two minutes for it to get out of the microwave. Like, that is the hottest shit you'll ever touch. (laughs) That is the instantly, like, the end of the roof of your mouth. Yeah. And it's it's so maddening. Those are the comments I want to give. (laughs) I just... (laughs) Okay. Then you you are a... a, You're basically a despicable person, and we've established that now. But you're... Silence (laughs) silence speaks volumes. Silence speaks volumes. I was not silent after I watched your movie... Electric Jesus. Um, well, and, can I? And thank yeah, you again. You you have uh, you, you you're a uh, really established and excellent director and filmmaker yourself. And you're, you're I love this um, guy. You're, you're like my closest friend now. <laughs> you're but you're a great conversation too. Like I don't think we've ever been around each other where we weren't just 
new things to talk, we had things to talk about. So it does mean a lot when somebody says that like that. So I really uh, appreciate it. And, and I know that I've, we talked a lot about the movie and Geekscape is this film. Um, it's from a world that I did not have a lot of experience in the world. Right. It takes place in is like this Christian rock metal scene and not just mm-hmm. like a, a current thing, but in the eighties when Chris grew up, it, you know, re- Christian metal and Christian bands and Christian rock and roll were, they're kind of an enigma. Cause it's a, it's a, a mix of the rebellion of teen youth and metal and then Christianity. And these, there were tons of these bands. And I remember one or two and making fun of them and this and that, but people take them seriously in your movie, which is a fictional film takes place in that world. Yes. And, and it has a lot of uh, a credibility. So I'm guessing you had a little bit of an upbringing in that world too. Oh yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, when I was a kid, I grew up in the eighties in South Carolina and, um, my parents, uh, me and my sister, my parents took us to church from pretty much as soon as we got out of the hospital, you know, when we were born. So we were lifelong Southern Baptists, which just means, you know, which was very common where I grew up. And at that time, the eighties in particular, the, the idea of like Christian evangelical Christian youth group culture was really strong. Uh, in the seventies, there had been this thing out in California, the Jesus movement, where all these hippies found Jesus. And out of that came like Christian rock music and youth ministries and Christian films. And a lot of Christian pop culture came out of this cultural moment that happened in the early 70s in Southern California and kind of spread across the United States. So the the culture I grew up in was a fully matured uh world of Christian youth group culture, Christian music, Christian pop culture. You know, there were Christian comic books uh, at the Christian bookstore and there were uh, some Christian novels and things like that. So, so yeah, my, my world was steeped in uh, evangelical uh, and, and not like now evangelical, I think it means like right-wing politics. Then it was tending towards that, but it wasn't very right-wing uh, like we think of it now, it was more evangelical means that you share your faith with other people. That's just okay. the, the root of that term is you evangelize. But now you feel you, like you, you tell now people you feel that there's you. negative connotations to it. Oh my, well, yeah. Yeah. Now okay. it's more like a, a political position and that's not the theology hasn't changed. It's just the way we refer to things. Now we think of things as, Oh, that's evangelical Christian. That's uh, Trump voters. You know, sure. Or, or, um, but but the the actual theological implication of that would be I would be a Christian kid that would tell you about Jesus and and you know talk to you about getting saved and you know do you think you're going to go to heaven when you die and you know that kind of stuff. And you were, and you're a musician, like you. No, were, no, 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 not at all. No, no. You're like I think me I, then, where you're like, like film has to be our into this world. And we, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff. And I can, uh, I can, I think I have relative pitch. I can sing like you play a note and I can hum it or sing it, you know, sure. I think that's what relative pitch is, but yeah. I can't, uh, and I like music. I listen to all kinds of music and always have. So I think you, I have decent taste. But. but you contributed to some of the music in this film <laughs> and there's tons of music in the film because the film Geekscape as follows it's a coming of age story. It's, I mean, you've described it. I've described it as, um, what would you say? Uh, what, what's, what's the, the film with, uh, Jason Lee, et cetera, the, oh, the, Rock um, film, the Rolling Stone film. Yeah. Um, we're both kind of blanking on this one and it's the <laughs> I reference, <see> it. <laughs> I think <laughs> they like the reference on this one. Wait, Back Jason up. Lee, that's a different one. I'm thinking of no, that. Jason thing you do. No, not that thing you do. Um, cause this is similar to that. Um, it's you the one, say, yeah. Uh, Matt Kelly's got it uh, in the comments. He says almost famous and yeah, almost yeah, fam- yeah, yeah. This, right. This is very much. I forget to me, about Jason Lee being that, but yeah. yeah, that's right. This is very much to me, like almost famous, but mm-hmm. in a Christian rock world. And I, you know, I'm a cynic when it comes to a lot of the religious stuff. So I was like, Oh, I can't wait for them to make fun of this religious stuff. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you, you have fun with it. That's not to say this movie isn't hilarious. It's not to say that you don't poke fun. Yeah. 
at where we were in that era and where these kids yeah. were in that era and how serious they were about something that sometimes can be deemed hokey. You um, know, but it, coming, you do it with love. Coming from a geekscape idea, maybe this is an ideal that I developed being a nerdy kid. Like, I don't want to make fun of your thing. I don't want to, I want to, I don't want to mock you for liking something or believing something that's weird, or I just don't think that's any fun. It just, it, you know, it's a form of bullying. It's a form of diminishing people. And I, I, with this, you know, I, I had a, I, my personal experience was very charming and, and lovely. And a lot of people have really bad experiences in a youth group, like really bad. I was just kind of good. It's not to say there were weird things about it, but in general, it was very positive. So there was no point, it wouldn't be an authentic story for me if I went and, you know, <laughs> told some really cynical, uh, Jesus-hating story, you know. And also the film that I think my film draws from on some level is like maybe the teen, uh, in the teen genre would be Napoleon Dynamite. Sure. Where, where the characters are just weird and they are funny and we don't have to point out they're funny. We don't have to make fun of them. We just, I just think if you love, I'm sure you and many people watching the same are the same way. Like I just, I love weird people. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily I, have to agree with your take on every movie or video game or comic book to, 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 to love you and think you're cool. I just, I like people that are into weird stuff. And, and so I think with this, we treated that. Are, I'm very cynical of the boring person. Yeah. I'm very like, critical of someone. I'm like, what do you do here? Like, you have such a limited time on this planet that, right? I, I, I won't. You know, I could be mean myself, but I won't. I won't stand for people who are just mean and just cruel and just, you know, mean and or that carry around too much anger. And of course, we we're all guilty of that. But if you just if you if you just are kind of boring, it's like, hey, man, like. Let, light that fire. We don't have a whole lot of time here. Like you don't know how much time you got. Like let's go. And if that leads you to something weird, hey, all the better because yeah. you're diversifying this planet. Um, That's I'm a, great way to put a it. big yeah. I, I my two like pet peeves are mean and weird and like boring. Like so, come on, yeah. man, let's get the party going. Let's let's move the party along. Let's go. Um, Matt Kelly's in the chat and he says, Oh geez, if only you had a writer who knows all of this stuff with a birthday this week to join you. Well, happy birthday, Matt. I've given you half the network to have guests on, uh, as host of half the shows here at the Geekscape network, Matt, have Chris on the show and talk to him. And Matt likes to take over. That's the problem. With I think Matt. we gonna, we've he's talked come to in Matt. here. Uh, Matt's going to come in here and be like, okay, "Oh, okay. guys." So then, this one time in eighth grade, and I'm like, "Oh, Jesus, this guy." Can I have my Can I have my show back? <laughs> I'm kidding. He does no, have questions. So he does ask. Oh yeah, well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Please, please. No, you were saying something I wanted to riff on a little bit about carrying anger around and being angry about stuff. I'm angry too. You know, like I have. I'm a 51 year old man. Of course I'm walking around with frustrations <laughs> and anger, but, and this has been really big in the past year and a half. I can't be pissed about everything all the time. I just can't, I can't take on more things to be pissed off about. Like I need to be streamlining and, <laughs> and editing out things to be pissed off on. I can't be mad about everything. So a lot of, just processing and trying to be a healthy person is okay. That's really bad, but I can't, I can't do that today. I can't be outraged about that. I'm, I'm still, so you're not on Twitter. 40 you things. don't do Twitter. Oh, I'm Twitter is Twitter. just like it, but it's just outrage porn. It's just like it you is, go on there and you start to spiral and you're like, and I'm mad about that. And I'm mad about this. And <laughs> Oh yeah. And that motherfucker and this, and I'm going to cancel that person into the stone age. And it's like, you but know what? There's Cancel so much... one person a day. Just pick one thing right, a day to right. be angry with and pick right. like five things to love. I think you'll be okay. Right. And and also like on Twitter, I do like jokes. I mean, Twitter's got good funny stuff too. And and so, or it did. It's getting yeah, it is getting pretty dark for sure. But so yeah. you have these this background. Mm -hmm. You become a filmmaker, but like when do you start putting the script together for this whole thing, this whole process? Cause this is your first feature film. <laughs> mm -hmm. You've worked as an AD. 
Um, you worked as a director on smaller projects. Well, I, I had I had made some very like no budget feature length things, like improvised movies. Uh, oh, I, I did a I did a, a, a script. Let me see those. Okay, yeah, I will. You'll you'll see the Are scenes. Good? Are your mumblecore movies any good? <laughs> There's some oh, of this mumblecore out bring- there. You don't bring people over to see those movies, that do you? <laughs> oh, come on. When I got like a jewel, like Electro Jesus, I'm not going to show you some Purgatorio and get better. But you know, you have a Purgatorio movie? Yeah. That's, Purgatorio yeah. is a setting in Electric Jesus Geekscapist yes. and has one of my favorite characters in that setting, played by our friend Sean, who I yeah, met through yeah. Chris. That's a, oh, dude, because we went to a- dinner. Yeah, and we—I was riffing about, hey man, this guy needs a sequel. Like he's the one character in this movie I want to yeah. see more of. He's this Satan lover who goes. <laughs> that, spoilers: the Christian band in this movie, and it's not much of a spoiler because it's the opening of the film. The Christian band of the movie finds themselves having to play basically a satanic biker club. <laughs> and Just a nightmare. The, a very exaggeratedly yeah, bad. It's a nightmare. And our friend Sean plays this guy who's like, you Christian babies, you bunch of virgins. And like fucks, fucks with the band. And I was always like, we got to, I got to see more of that guy. Like what's yeah. his problem? And Sean yeah. had a whole backstory to his character, this and that. So hearing that that setting, Purgatorio, the club, mm-hmm. that had mm-hmm. come off of one of your other movies, yeah, I'll put myself through one of your Mumblecore movies. Okay, okay, I'll send you a link, man. I'll send you a link. I, I, I mean, I'd but- like to have my phone with me, but I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll watch it. Sure, I'll have my I'll have my phone on me, but I'll watch it. I'll watch it. <laughs> no, for sure, Electro Jesus was the first feature I did that you know was like. You know that that my wife, who's my executive producer and co-producer with me, uh, it, it was the first movie where she wasn't making the food. You know, like it, right. it was the first movie where we weren't, you know, stepping off set to t- tell people where to park cars. You know, like so. Yeah, were- so um, those were. I'm 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 proud of that work, and um, I I will show you that stuff. But um, it's um it's not commercial. You know, these are sure. these are things that would be made. Um. You know, maybe the most expensive, I think, Cinema Purgatorio. It's about some filmmakers trying to meet Bill Murray in Charleston, South Carolina, where he lives. And uh, that we shot that for less than $50,000. I mean, I guess that's some money, but I mean, people shoot shorts for 50 grand now. I mean, have you have you seen the documentary on meeting Bill Murray that that Tommy Avalone did? Okay, because Tommy's a frequent Geekscape guest. Okay, yeah. Tommy's a homie. Have you met Tommy? I haven't. We're going to hook it up. We're gonna hook okay. it up. Be like, I wrote the fictionalized version of your documentary, and y'all just deal with it in court. <laughs> after after the film came out and and was just kind of uh, did a couple of festivals and stuff, we did meet Bill Murray uh, because we were That's somewhere cool. where he was, and somebody did make that inter- introduction. and And I said, Bill, I made this film about how I really wanted to meet you, and then I realized that I didn't need to meet you to be happy and successful as a person which is like the theme in the movie. They don't have to meet Bill Murray. And he just looked at me and was like, okay. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's kind of like, which, I think which he was, then I think having he was met, touched. I think he was which touched. having met Bill Murray and him being completely unmoved by that put you into a depression. So you were no, no. actually in a better spot before you met Bill Murray. I think he, I think he's yeah. like, okay, fine. Good. Okay. You made him. Um, I would thought you were going to ask me to take a selfie, but okay. You don't need that. Good. Good yeah, I find that to be a little weird to take mm-hmm. a selfie. I got to tell you, sometimes we've been doing this show for a long time. Uh, we've been talking about being college professors at times like Indiana Jones was. And I start, I started a, a quarter at school two weeks ago. Student asked me for a selfie with him. And I was like, let's do it up. Not the first student to be like, Hey, I listen to your podcast. Hey, are you the Jonathan from, yeah, there's only one of me. I'm like the Highlander. I eliminate the rest. But hey, this, this is the first time a student was like, Hey, can I get a selfie with my teacher? I'm like, yeah, sure. <laughs> do it so so that me and the rest of the students can make fun of it no um i yeah it could be i found that no it was it was very nice the students it's actually a very talented filmmaker uh himself and i'm excited to see where he goes and he comes from a filmmaking family his father's a director and i'm gonna have his father on the show very soon because his his his, uh father directed 
kickboxer Ooh, in Bloodsport. Okay. So I'm going to wow. bring him on the show. That's a wow. preview, Geekscapists. We're going to have that guy on the show to talk about making those Van Damme classics, uh, which we worship. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about Electric Jesus. I have some questions coming from the comments, mainly about like what some of your favorite bands were back in the day. Some of your Christian favorite Christian bands. The only one I oh, recognize is like Carmen. You mentioned Carmen no, in the movie and like, no, obviously no. like Striper, like Striper is <laughs> okay. there. Like Striper you would listen to. I remember a Absolutely. neighbor had a, had a Carmen record. His mom had like a Carmen record or something. This kid was such a fucking delinquent, right? This kid, <laughs> if this kid was so effed up, and his mom was like so strict, <laughs> and that was the Carmen. that was the first. This kid was so messed up. This kid was so messed oh up. God. I got to I got to tell you something. Okay, I'll tell you the story about this kid. He was my. I, this kid was also very like his parents. His parents would get him anything he wanted. So he's the kid with all the Nintendo games. Right. He had all the Ninja Turtles. He had all the Ninja Turtle figures. If he wanted anything, he'd get it. You know, he had it. So you'd always go and hang out with that kid. Like you didn't even like that kid that much. But you'd hang out at his house because you play. It was like being in a free arcade. He had every game. So <laughs> let me tell you, because this was actually a very pivotal story in Jonathan's, in Jonathan's upbringing. So I'm over at that kid's kid place and we're playing the Nintendo. And we're in mm-hmm. the Nintendo has to be in the parents' room so they can monitor the hours of Nintendo play. So it's okay. in their bedroom. So we're, we're playing Nintendo NES Classic in the bedroom. And they have a bathroom. And I get up to use the bathroom. And the kids playing uh-huh. the Nintendo. And I'm sitting there on the bathroom and I look down at my feet. And it's the first time I ever saw a box of tampons, Chris. And I didn't know what they were. I have this box of tampons, Chris, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I'm looking at them and I don't know what the fuck it is. They look like Roman candles to me. You know what I mean? Remember right. the Roman candles? Because it looked like they had a fuse on it. You maybe yeah, light right. it and it shoots out. Why would you have those in the bathroom? I have no idea. So I come out. You mean done. just laying out in the bathroom, just on the they floor? They were in a box. They were just in a box, but just I pick it up. I'm like, under the feet that would be sitting was, on a toilet? Was two, no, it was to the left over by where you'd like put the plunger and stuff, right? Okay. It, it wasn't under the sink. It wasn't. No, like it was just a box They're of tampons sitting by the toilet. Grab, grab there. So I grab it and I'm like, what the F is this? And I'm t- trying to take it apart and stuff because you're a kid and you destroy things because you have questions. I right. come out of the bathroom and I go back to, to Robbie and I was like, huh. I just said his name, whatever. I sit down next to him and I'm sitting there and we go back to two player video games. And I turn on and go, Hey man, your mom has this box of stuff like next to the toilet and they look like Roman candles or candle or something. And they have a string sticking out of them. What is that all about? And he goes, I don't know, man. Uh, I tried figuring it out. So I spied on my mom once and later I put one on my butt and nothing happened. Oh, God, Robbie. <laughs> Robbie. <laughs> so I think he's, he successfully saw his mom use one and then uh, figured maybe he has this. Yeah. That so. is uh, that is somewhat like the awkwardness of the scene of the scene in Electric Jesus. Although there are no, um, uh, there are no female hygiene scenes in, no. the, in the film. But yes. it is that kind of, weird awkwardness of just just trying to figure out and make sense of the world and make sense of the weird stuff that's coming coming into your life but you know robbie i do you still do you are you in touch with him are you writing him in prison what no. what's going on no. in that relationship no, no, no. i haven't seen no. him since we left high school, high school but he was a good kid he was a good kid he just i think the clamps were on a little too tight and uh he he had a lot of, ex- you know, what an extinction burst is when you put the uh, the behavior on extinction, and they're like, "Well, if you're gonna put an end to that, I'm gonna lash out." He had a yeah, lot of right, bursts. Right. He was a kid who liked to burst out and uh, be a little delinquent back in the day. But who? What kid wasn't? Maybe me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's kind of boring. I was like, "Oh, I'm just gonna go read comics." Um, but let's go back to it. Like, you know, Striper. They mentioned Striper a lot in the movie. Yeah, a lot of these bands. Some of these are real, right? Um, so the world of the movie, uh, we decided to make all the, the Christian artists real. So the band okay. in the movie is called 316, which is a fictional band, although there were apparently dozens of Christian rock bands called 316. It's a pretty cool name. It's uh, based on the Bible verse, John 316. Um, no, I thought a, that was a wrestling thing. Yeah, sure. 
Well, it's that's a riff on that, right? I'm messing with you. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So um, I'm not that big of a heretic. (laughs) But um, oh yeah, the wrestling reference. I get you. Yeah. So the the um, uh, so the band is fake, but the world they're inhabiting isn't. So there is a scene where um, they ask uh, the sound guy when they're interviewing him to be the sound man. They ask him what's his what music he likes to listen to, and he rattles rattles off literally sixty six band names. That's an impressive scene too, because yeah, I don't think you cut too much in that scene. You actually had the performer rememorize a yes. psychotic level of Christian music. Yeah. Yeah. We, well, you know, oh, not, not like, just, no, 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 it wasn't just Christian. Music. It was like, a, it was, you actually had a bunch of other stuff. Well, you said too, there's right? some people that aren't strictly Christian, but they're Christians like Bob Dylan and the call. Yes. And, and, and so, so he names you too, that kind of thing. But, but that scene was there to be like the scene where, you know, we find out this kid has deep geeky knowledge about, about Christian rock. Yeah, it's, and like also Matt Kelly, it's like Matt Kelly with horror movies, like a VHS yeah. collection. Well, and so all of those movie or all those uh, bands he names and artists are real. They are for real. And my music supervisor, John Thompson, uh, who is just knows more about Christian music than anybody I've ever met. Uh, he wrote that list for me. Um, I said, I want him to just rattle. I want it to be 66 because there's 66 books in the Bible. It'll just be a deep, cut trivia thing somebody will know someday um, but i want you they're actively counting the bands as he says oh, yeah. It. Oh, yeah. well i just and somebody will, it's like one of those things that somebody you hear about it and like oh, i heard it was like 66 one for every book of the bible you know there's yeah just a little okay uh, yeah, 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 yeah. To, to bring pleasure to you um yeah. as you watch the movie so um but um yeah john wrote those i knew most of them but i didn't know all of them and and uh and some are really cool but when i was in the 80s, you know, I liked Michael W. Smith. I liked Steve Taylor. It was probably my favorite. He was kind of new wave, uh, dancey uh, kind of pop music. Uh, Christian artists. Um, I liked the Altar Boys. They were one of those SoCal bands. Um, what about Daniel, some of the, uh, Daniel Amos. Oh, go ahead. And you had um, Danielson involved in the movie? and he's Oh, yeah. So huge. my musical collaborator is a guy named uh, Daniel Smith, who was in a band that was not a Christian band, although – they were on a Christian label called Tooth and Nail. Uh-huh. Um, and so they were, and and he, and it's his whole family is in the band and they're very eclectic, um, alternative folk punk. Uh, yeah, alternative folk punk was what I would, how I'd describe Danielson. And he is a Christian and, and, but he wasn't trying to make Christian music. You know, he was trying to make great music. And uh, his stuff is amazing. Danielson or Danielson family, you can you can find all that stuff. But I met Daniel through a mutual friend, and I'm working on this Christian rock thing. And I was like, you should write these songs. And so what our collaboration became was Daniel actually wrote the melodies, uh, and we wanted the songs to be good, even though they were going to be dressed up like 80s metal songs. Yeah, but the songs are good. Yeah, but the, at the core, you know, melody it has to be good. And then I wrote the words. So I'm writing the 15-year-old Christian kids' lyrics, which tend to be, you know, maybe a little pretentious or funny, you know. Um, They're fun. I like but, these but, songs a lot. But, but Daniel made the songs good. In our, it, and the reasoning is, is because when you think of a band you liked when you were 14, 15 years old, they're much better in your memory, especially like if you see, see saw a band live. Oh, we saw this band play one time. It was like the greatest concert I've ever seen. It's like if you if you went back in a time machine and attended the show, it probably wasn't that great. But you're, in memory, it becomes great. So that's what we wanted yeah. the songs to be. We wanted the songs to echo uh, the stories being told to us by the main character, Eric. And I want to hear the songs like he remembers them. And so they got to be great. And uh, Daniel just knocked it out of the park, I think. The music is, and there, there's a soundtrack out right now, streaming everywhere, Electric Jesus, music from and inspired by the motion picture. And you can hear, I mean, they're just all tons of fun. So much fun. And Geekscape is, I definitely think that any of y'all should, and all of you really should not only listen to that soundtrack, it's definitely up on Spotify. That's where I've been forwarding it to people. Um, but also Electric Jesus go, hits VOD on November 2nd bit. The pre-orders are open. You can start pre-ordering that video, the, the movie right now and uh, November 2nd. You can watch it. Uh, I love the movie. I've seen it twice. I think it's so much fun. It just has a ton of heart. Um, 
and uh, it does some impressive things. I think that I, I forget what I mentioned to you. The second time I saw it, I said, wait a minute. The narrator isn't like something about the narration. I, I, you know, I'm not going to get it in this one. I'm not going to. I haven't figured it out yet. But uh, but I remember thinking the narrator is at a different. It's not like the narration stand by me. So, you know, the narration stand by me is like he's writing a book. And at the end, um, you know, he's talking about losing his brother and then having this adventure stand by me. And he closes things up and you have Richard Dreyfus kind of put a bow right. on the end of the movie. This one, this narration is a little bit different, isn't it? Because that was a uh, time shifts. And I remember coming yeah. up to you be like, Hey, I think your narration time shifts. Like at what point is this reflection happening? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you know? so here's the trick with that. <clears throat> um, not it, to negate someone, the movie. The movie's fantastic, but it's a, it was like a writer thing where I was like, Whoa, wait, yeah. there's a little bit of a rule weirdness right here. Yeah. Yeah. Time so in, uh, like, stand by me, uh, Stand by me. Um, the grown-up kid is telling us the story in his grown-up voice, which is Richard Dreyfus, and we That's actually it. see Richard Dreyfus at the end. What we did was we start the movie being told by the kid in the kid's voice, and the whole movie yes. it's the kid, and it's a little bit of a spoiler. I'm not going to tell you the circumstance of this, but we get to see the kid as an adult at the end of the movie, uh, and he's still telling us stuff in kid voice. That's exactly and then what was going on. And then he speaks, and his voice is similar, but it's obvious it's a different voice. It's a different actor. Um, and so my thinking with that was, uh, I think that we still, like, I sent, when I think inside my head, I still sound like I've always sounded, you know, like when I was 12, thinking in my head. Like, yes. my voice has not changed in my head. That's just an external thing. So some of it is the voice inside. But also I think uh, one of the tricks of the movie too, I call it a trick. It's, it may just be poor filmmaking or no, don't, I need to don't get better that. at it. Well, I, I, I don't I, think, I, you know, I had a long conversation um, with my buddy Andy over the weekend. Cause we're trying to figure out this kind of thing. And I'm like, no, no. I, and, and if you go back to escape we were talking about um, these things called French overs in the last two, uh, three episodes ago. And that's when you shoot the singles from behind the actors crossing right. to the other actor. But he had started the scenes with the establishing shot being in front of the actors. So he's actively yeah. jumping over the line and so swapping broke the line. those characters. He's, right. he's broken the line, swapping those characters' eye lines to go into the French overs to use as a singles. Nobody's going to blink at that. So these rules that you go, oh, wait a minute. It says here that you can't. Da, da, da. Like, you just forget that. that. Just forget that trash. And what I'm saying here is there, it wasn't until the second time I saw that movie that I go, What's going on here with this voice? Yeah. Oh, I think that's. Oh, uh, he shouldn't be saying it from his na- his nascent teen voice. Yeah. But what you're saying now, I think emotionally, that is why it didn't register. That's why it took like refrigerator logic for me to be standing at the refrigerator at 2 a.m. as Hitchcock said, getting milk and being <laughs> like, "Hey, wait a minute here." <laughs> you know the you know what Hitchcock uh-huh. used to say about like refrigerator logic? Yeah, yeah, he's like, yeah, he's yeah, like, I've don't worry term. about don't worry about refrigerator logic because yeah, by that right, point they right. bought the ticket and they like your movie. Right. And, and I had this refrigerator logic the second time I watched it where I was like, wait, what the, f- how's the grown up talking with a voiceover? That's a the child actor. And it doesn't matter. And because that emotional resonance in your movie, that's the plate you don't drop. And it's probably one of the most emotional plates. And I'll tell you this, Chris white. I love this movie you don't drop that plate. And there are parts where you have to shift from a, maybe you have to introduce the problem of a third act. Maybe you have to figure out a bookend, which you have a little bit of a book in, in parts of your movie. Mm-hmm. If those are really hard tonal transitions. Yes. And maybe on the page, you're like, Oh, it's good. You still have to figure out how to point a camera at those damn things and how to edit them and make no. them shift. Those are really important places where the plate drop can happen. The tonal yes. plate drop, the character plate drop can happen. The voice of the film plate drop can happen. And it's really hard to get the act moving again when you drop those plates. Um, I think holding a movie in tone, holding the tone is like, for me, like that's the thing I'm looking for most in, in mm-hmm. the work of a director. Like can somebody direct, I mean, 
you, you know this, we can hire camera guys to do all sorts of things. Fight choreographers can do cool things. Uh, VFX people can, do, but can you keep everyone in the same movie? That's what a director's doing. And, and we like to think that's just the actors. Oh, let's get all the actors on the same page. It's everything, man. There, there's so mm-hmm. much, you know this, like there's so much of a vibe to a movie that gets off all the time. It's yes. like, just, it's just like, I've described it like you're, you're get all these people with you and you all jump off a cliff together and you're all falling and, and everybody's screaming and they're looking at you and you just can't quite tell them like, yeah, we're just going to be falling. (laughs) (laughs) You have um, to trust me. (laughs) There's a net down here, right? Yeah. And you love those movies too that that have those tones. And like, I think tone shifts should be applauded. I don't like a movie that doesn't mature over the course of the film that doesn't, you know, uh, I think tone shifts should be applauded and usually tone shifts just come down to, oh, they changed visuals, you know, and that's fine. Like you mm-hmm. changed visuals, your film started light and it ended dark or vice versa. Yeah. Or, you know, your acts were each of your acts were represented with a del- different color scheme or or camera design. Sure. I've yeah. definitely put that in decks. I've definitely had that design where it's like, oh, the movie's going to open long lens. The movie's going to close open. You know, sure. you know, like I think you should do those things. But having tone shifts within those broader strokes are very careful moments where at any place you can go, Oh crap, I'm not getting my audience back because mm-hmm. they don't know what they're watching. And I know, you know someone it, like it, someone like a Taika Waititi, you. someone like with a white Taika Waititi is, is like putting comedy ne- right next to drama and he's shifting mm-hmm. very fast, like a car, yep. which is why I'm in awe of him. And Hunt many of those filmmakers people, right? Hunt for the Wilder People, I think, is I mean, incredible from from start to finish. You know, I think that yeah. the the fairy tale and the horror of like a uh, Pan's Labyrinth, mm-hmm. start to finish, they were able to do it. And sometimes you only get some of it. Sometimes you only get some of them. Yeah. And and you end up being like, oh, second half didn't second half of that movie didn't work for me. Third third part. What do you of the movie. think that is? Like if you and, were teaching well, a- well, dude, you're doing bookends, and not only are you doing bookends, you're doing an epilogue little thing. Yeah. There's are multiple I, I, places where you could have just f your movie, pal. Did yeah. you think about that, or did you say, yeah, no, that's I, how I, I feel I, about my movie. Let me go. Like, I, I think I know what this is. It takes film- bravery. I think is what I'm saying. It takes bravery, Chris. The the film's doing it like I wanted to do like I'm turning a bunch of uh, rock band movie tropes upside down. And one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to make the the muse, you know, the girl's always the muse. Right. So I want the guy telling us the story to realize while he's telling us the story that he's telling the wrong story. Mm. Like that is such a delicate, weird thing to do. Um, how do you have him come to the realization like he's thinking the out story loud. he's told his whole life about the summer of 86 with a band and all that stuff, he's been telling it wrong. And it's this time, this particular time he's telling us, the people seeing the movie, that it starts to dawn on him that, wait a minute, <laughs> I think this was her story. And in a very powerful way, at the end, he, we, the movie ends when he realizes it was all her. But Mm -hmm. until that moment, it can't happen. And so then you've got to, I don't know. I I think it's, uh, if you were trying to tell a director, how do you, if you were teaching a directing class, you're like, how do you, how do you do those nuances? I mean, there's got to be some technique to it or a way of thinking about it. So you don't lose it. Is it? I think it's the same way you're getting out of a bad situation, baby. One shot at a time. Like Mm -hmm. just, you, you just one shot at a time. If you start thinking about that bigger stuff, if you mm-hmm. if you look at if you look at the tapestry and not the pieces of fabric, yeah, like y- you're going to be way off by the time you get to sewing yep. it all up. You know what I yeah. mean? So I think you just it goes to that you just break it down. And I imagine you outlined like crazy, you wrote mm-hmm. rewrote like crazy, and then when it came to your prep, knowing that you had a, a bit of a shoestring budget for your first film, or at least you didn't have the you didn't have an established like assembly line of being able to make a film and then right, go right. straight to the, like in knowing that this was like your everything was going to be an act of discovery you were very careful with every step that you took for the most part not to say that you extinguished the ability to improv or right. find some happy accidents or happy discoveries on set but i'm going to i imagine you prep 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 prepped on this movie 
Yeah, and I'm not, and I'm also like now I realize, and and I should say one of my closest collaborators, uh, and and just friends, you know, if, uh, is Scott Lansing, my editor, and 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 I was there the whole. I mean, we just we just hold up and edited this movie together. I mean, and he's really good at keeping the eye on the small things like you're talking about. He he mm-hmm. can. You know, uh, you know, I would just be like, oh, my gosh, we don't have the scene. We don't have it. We don't have it covered. We don't have the takes. There's no way <laughs> this done. scene is going to work. This is terrible. I mean, just I'm, I'm, I'm going. I'm leaving. And he's like, no, no chill out. Calm Where's the down. closest like, traffic? I got I to go for I got to walk <laughs> yeah, into right, it. Right, right, right. Where's the whiskey? <laughs> Dear God. It's, it's under those other bottles he just drank. Oh, no. And he you would know, wa- like, he would. He would say, How would you, listen, man, yeah. and he would just like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Just like you said, just I got an idea. Let me whittle it back. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that I think when you start out, all right, you know, you've got like this goal um, and you aim for it. But through all of the compromise or negotiation or just discovery of making something that uh, with that many processes and that many cooks, uh, you know, you end up sometimes, you know, that, that day, that first day watching like dailies and stuff is like the most depressing thing ever. Oh Cause you're like, gosh. no, yeah. no, no, we shot something better than that. Uh, no, you, shot? Oh, you, no. you thought of something better than that. You wrote yeah. something better than that, but the reality of oh, collaboration man. and compromise and having to use real world things to make those things real out of ether uh, isn't exactly alchemy. And now editing is where you start to try and get things back and you don't aim to get them back literally because you're, you're at that point putting square pegs and round holes. Uh, you also have like to Daniel put them back Smith. tonally. You have to put them put back tonally. Right. I've got Daniel Smith over there with music and, that helps and so it would much. be like, it would just be like, um, cause I, I'm afraid of music. Like music to me just you tells really? you how to feel like, in yes, a movie. A, it can be a crutch. It can absolutely okay, there, be a crutch. So like I, and, and, you know, you edit without, maybe you use a temp score or something, but you generally, you edit scenes without it. You get the yes. scene really good. And then music comes in. You're like, ah, oh, music is starting to tell us everything. And we created this. So I'm a little nervous about music, but this was so great because we'd be like going to those tonal shifts and going from this moment to this moment. I could get on the phone with Daniel and say, you know, that spot, this piece, you know, can you give me, you know, 13 more seconds of that, but just you know, just let it land on a piano chord and let that carry mm-hmm. us through. Or it was, it's just amazing what little tiny things like that can do to save you. Sound editing. Another thing, sometimes sound editing solves a problem. Sometimes, you know. You don't um, want them to direct for you, but giving it a little tone bump to get mm-hmm. you into that emotional shift, that's not against the rules. Right. You know what I mean? Like, those, that's not I, against I, the rules. And you make those augmentations to enhance the moment. Those, that's well, not against the rules. We, you're not making I'm a music sure. video at that time, at that point. You know, you're talking about rules and, and like, you know, there it was always the rule, you know, you know, a voiceover is somehow cheating. Like if you get to the movie and oh, then you man. have to voice over everything, it's cheating. It's like, yeah. And, I remember and so that. That's, that's, just, like, that's like yeah. early film school. They tell you. Yeah, that. right, right, right. And, and, and so you're like, film is a visual medium. Show me in pictures, you know? And I think that's probably pretty good advice. Maybe writing a screenplay. But when you're getting into a tight spot and I can just say, wait, 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 what if the in the narration he just says this? And, and in the back of your head, you're like, yeah, but that would be cheating. That would be making the movie good illegally. Maybe the only real rule is don't bore your freaking audience. <laughs> right. If we did you know? that, the audience would actually understand what's going on and we would save our crappy movie. But <laughs> so, yeah, so some of it. It's just like the 180 rule, right? Right. Audiences are are so different now than they were in 1940 or 1950. Because we don't have sh- we don't have shoe leather scenes anymore, where the guy pulls up to the the building and gets out of the car, closes the door, throws the cigarette down, feet down the hallway, gets on the elevator, goes up. We just we just that's a cut now. Yeah, right? we're we in the we're in the building. Stuff. You get it. The guy got in the right. building. So, I was seeing so that in the James it, Bond movie last night. I was watching the James Bond movie and I was like. Uh-huh. Oh, he's already in the compound. You know, instead of being right, like, right. like, really, like he's like he's right. like going to the like the island or the structure or whatever yeah. that he's gonna have to like get into, and you're like, man, he's gonna have to like go through and pass all the guards and stuff like that. You see that? Yeah. You you know, you cut to like Daniel Craig like halfway into the thing, and it, like he's already there's already people like draped over stuff dead. And I'm like, 
Oh yeah, we get it. He he, he got in. He's good. Yeah, he's, was, good. he's good. It's boring now that he's going to shoot a, like place explosives <laughs> on the back and like you know break through with some gadget. Like that's boring now. And now he's just getting to the plot points. Yeah. But I I love that. Um, um, I speaking of boring, I don't know if this conversation is boring. It's very. This is my favorite conversation I've had about Electric Jesus so far. Really? I don't know if I don't know if yes. I love these I conversations, Chris. Like, I don't know if your you audience know. is like oh, these. Old director it's just guys Mac, are just it's talking just about Kelly. directing. It's just oh, okay. Matt Kelly. Okay, that's, it. that's all we got left is Matt <laughs> Kelly and Chris Robertson. That's it. Nah. Heidi, no, popped in. I, Heidi popped in to say she loves your movie. Thank and, you. And uh, she's you, listening Heidi. too. I think she's I think she's literally in the other room watching on her <laughs> iPad. She, I can hear her yelling in the background. Perhaps you can too, Geekscapist. She's going, I am. Okay. Oh, now she's coming in the damn room. Oh, oh well, there she Heidi. is. Hi, Heidi. Hi from Greenville, yeah, South Carolina. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> All right, sweetie. Thank you. Matt Kelly says, I'm loving every second of this. Yeah, Matt. Matt, good, good, Matt good. And you're going to have, uh, yeah, this is, so this is what hosts do, Matt. I'm messing with Matt. I love him so much. Uh, and, you know, I hear you're going to do a little bit of, uh, you're going to talk Striper on. Um, yes. On, on that uh, show next week. Next One week. Hit Thunder. Yeah, yes. Matt and Chris are great. Um, and I'm, okay. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a striper apologist. I don't know if I don't know what Daniel's position is gonna be on it, but I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna no spoilers. Send the boys. I think I am. Geekscapist, Geekscapist. If you're not subscribing to One I'm Hit Thunder, it's one of my favorite podcasts. I love Chris and Matt's work on One Hit Thunder. It's so I I really it's like a must play. Um. So yes, I like talking filmmakers filmmaking. Chris, like uh, it's what I think about. Like in in I I have the same approach to to comic book artists or comic book writers and, and video game people. I think that the process of creating content is alchemy. I think, I think it's the hardest thing in the world to, to be like, Oh no, there actually is nothing there. And now you're making oh, ideally gold. And you, and if you use the assembly line, you're going to end up with garbage because people have already seen that before, you know? And so I true. think that I mean, like- almost any other profession, you get learned how to use the assembly line and, you know how to you know even it's really hard you know it's really hard to make something where there was nothing and i think even the most nascent filmmaker is some form of that wall breaker you know right. because even the people who are the most advanced in the medical profession or the engineering profession or in their technical professions they did follow a lot of stuff to that point in everything that and now that they are the people everything from that point forward is new breakthrough science and that's phenomenal but there was a lot of assembly line unto this point and as a filmmaker storyteller you're like oh no i'm everything's from the inside and i'm just yanking it out and making it up out of the ether and maybe there's some language that i'm following but this no story can be the same Right. Nothing can even, be even just following something as simple as, you know, three act structure, beginning, middle and an end. You sure. know, even doing that, we're, we're always playing with where those things are happening. And is this enough of an end? Is this, you know, is this yeah. enough of a beginning? Wait, this I just wrote 30 pages and now the movie's finally started. So Isn't delete the insane? first 30 pages. Dude, I'm <laughs> now let's start the movie. I have a major the film I have now. I'm like. When does that movie click in? Mm-hmm. Oh, page 20? Yeah. Um, is this a really a problem I want to wait until editing to solve? Because that's nope. a lot of money spent. It's I don't want to wait till editing. I got to figure this out. And, and um, you know what? It's not a yeah. loss. You I'm talking, I'm talking those... about getting into the second act. I'm not talking about the movie starting, like literally starting. I'm talking about getting into the second act and like how much we want the propulsion to how much you want to rev yeah. up before you propel, right? Like if you this is a jet engine, well, like how much do you want you... the thing to rev up before you take off? Sometimes you need very little time. Sometimes you need more time. And, 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 you know, it's just, it's so fun to just the answer to the question be, well, that's correct. This first act, you know, uh, one of the things that saved me with Electric Jesus in the edit was um, I was trying to figure out how to get a bunch of backstory out quick. It was taking too long to get on the road. And suddenly it hit me. Coen Brothers, 1987, Raising Arizona. I still remember first seeing Raising Arizona. You were actually 11 minutes into the movie before the title came on. Like the first 11 minutes are a prologue. And And that is the best opening. That is like one of the top 10 openings. That that is one of the most fantastic openings I've ever seen in my life. 
I use it as yeah. a reference all the time. And I, in, in our edit, you know, we're just sludging through this and I'm, I'm in paper now, you know, like I'm, I've got my, my scripts out. I've got um, my, my desk is covered with paper and I just am remembering, and I'm like, Scott, 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 pull up Raising Arizona right now. Pull it up, pull it up. Let's find it. Let's find it. It's like, why? Let's, let's just watch it. So we pull it up. I'm like, time it, time it to when the title comes up. And we're just like, boom, boom, boom. It's like title's still not coming up titles. And then it's like 11 and a half minutes somewhere in there where it comes up and I said, that's what we're going to do here. Cause we got to get to that place where it feels like, okay, here we go. We're telling the movie. And we've got a lot of content. That's really how we got to set this world. This world is going to be strange to a lot of people, but we just can't get bogged down in, in it because I got to get the band on the road. I got to get Brian Baumgartner into the movie, you know, mm-hmm. quicker. How do I get to Baumgartner? Yeah, he's like a massive uh, part of the poster. Let me, I'll show you all the poster here. Geeks, who are watching this. Um, here's a, here's a banner version of the poster, but you, you get the, the gist like Brian Bart, Brian is like, a major part of that poster, you know, cause he's yeah. a recognizable face from the, from the sure. office. But I got to tell you, like he, he needs in the movie a lot. Geekscape It's not like one of those bait and switches you get at the red box. And he's very good. He's as good as you've ever seen him. I think it's yeah. his best work he's ever done. But the, the young cast who play the band members, fantastic. Yeah. Killer. And yeah. A total Killer. credit to your ability to work with, not that they aren't bad, not that they aren't good actors, but like, they don't have all the you know presence and lessons and experience that brian does and you handled them yeah. on par with all of it you did a really well, great job directing well, them thank you uh, part of that is bringing brian onto that team so saying to brian saying to your actor i want you to be their <clears throat> their mentor i want you to be their friend i want you to be a partner with me in this and he was he's such a great guy but he was just like yeah and and he actually in 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 different times he related it to the way uh, on the office, he's famous for being Kevin on the office, but he said, you know, that was Carell, Steve Carell on the office was uh, a leader. He was clearly the show, you know, it was about him and he was probably the biggest star on that show, but he's like, Carell was just like, yeah, he was like, we're all in this, let's do this. And so Brian got to be a little Steve Carell for us, you know, behind the scenes with a bunch of kids that were certainly in awe of him because you know kids that age you know young 20s i mean watch the office constantly and and so like they're you know walks in the room as somebody from the office um but to then have him be like your buddy uh him telling you stuff about the industry you know uh getting uh you know when shannon there's a scene where she sings it's when eric falls in love with her she's uh the main character singing in the mirror in the bathroom mm-hmm. mirror yeah acapella it's a real it needs to be just powerful and her singing was perfect she was ready to go and then brian who had already rapped for the day uh came up and just gave her some words of encouragement before she shot this critical scene for the movie i mean you just don't get that you know and 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 that's it's you general, know, i guess yeah. you can ask for that um but some people just they aren't going to do that um yeah and i have so, a rule and don't, he was. Just don't look me in the eye i tell him just don't look me in the eyes don't look me in the eye. I, I mean, that's a rule. <laughs> across the board. Don't look me in the eye. Keep your, keep your eyes and look down. Don't, don't look me in the eye. I'm like a, I'm like a rabid dog. I'm like, don't look at me. In the, don't challenge me, man. <laughs> I had that. <laughs> that is, that is what it is, right? Yeah. That, that's yeah. the rule at Geekscape. The rule at Geekscape, when, when Matt Kelly and I meet up at Comic-Con, don't look me in the eye. Don't, and do not refer to me by name. Right, <laughs> you know this. That's how I treated you at the yeah, film festival. It is. It is. You were like, "Hey, Jonathan, nice to meet you." I was like, "That has yet to be decided." Do not look at me. I don't. I do not shake hands. Ten feet. Ten feet. And that was that was pre-COVID. You didn't shake hands. No, it's pre-COVID. It's for your. It's because I don't shower. It's because I don't shower. Um, damn, man! I wish we could just keep going. You're coming to town. You're doing the Newport Beach Film Festival. Yeah, next yeah, weekend. we'll be there. Um, how we'll much are you going to be? Twenty eighth. Oh, you're here a stretch, festival. dog. You're here a yeah. stretch. Oh yeah. hell yeah! Well then, let's figure out how to link up. Um, oh yeah, we're going to be around the twentieth through the twenty eighth that whole week. So we will definitely find our way to you. Okay, we're going to figure this out. Well, at least um, we're going to hang out with Heidi. I don't know about you, but that's fine. No, we'll, that's, we'll that's um, the choice we're, I we screen. <laughs> we we we're the I think we're the we're the last day and maybe the last film. At, that's a really uh, good film Beach. festival. Yeah, I do like. Yeah, I can't that wait. Festival a lot. They got um, a lot of good movies showing that I am excited to see. I'm just going to be a, a film fan all week. I know our friend Taylor Morden premiered his Scott documentary. Pick it up. The 
the Scott documentary. He did that one. He's currently has the uh, the last blockbuster documentary playing on Netflix right now. That's a fantastic oh, one. Man, I love that movie. I loved it. Yeah, and it's so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> and uh yeah i remember playing newport back in the day i had a, a short called gay by dawn my horror movie about homophobia i, I know that i know it that you sent me that newport film. and you and were I, trying I remember, to teach me a lesson i think you sent it to me i forget I, <laughs> so whatever the lesson was i don't know if we, it was, you're I, think like, the I think was, you're i think you're homophobic you need to watch this movie it'll kill you <laughs> Like, hey, so you're from the south? I, huh? I felt. I, felt really, I said it to everybody. I said it to everybody who's like, in the south. I'm like, let me just assume. Listen, guys. That. I mean, just please. It's my, it's my litmus test. It's my litmus <laughs> test to see if like we can agree that uh, yeah, you're into equality, right? Like, <laughs> you're into like human rights and all that stuff, and like people being equals. Of course, right? but not okay, for the just, gays. Okay. I'm oh no! Oh movie. no! I'm sending please. that movie. I'm sending that movie. You didn't vote for Lindsey Graham, did you? Uh, all right. The conservatives long since turned this. I mean, those people, I don't think they're my listeners anymore. Uh, but we do have Matt Kelly. We got Chris Robinson. We got a ton of Geeks Gabus. And Geeks Gabus, if you're listening to this and you're like, wow, this is a really fun filmmaking conversation, storytelling conversations, hit the share button, send it to your friends. We're on every podcatcher, podcasting outlet that you can think of. Or send them this video. Hit the little share button, send them this video. What you really need to be doing, though, if you haven't gotten that at the last hour is you need to be going to your VOD device and pre-ordering electric Jesus. It's going to go to your device on the November 2nd. You're going to watch this film. It's great. And the trailer just dropped three or four days ago, like the official trailer from our distributor, 1091 pictures. And it's fantastic. You can hear Daniel's music. You can see so much of the movie. Um, uh, that was, I was totally amazing uh, process uh, that we went through to create the trailer I mean, they did. I mean, we gave some notes, but it was just, how fun is that? You just make this movie and some people say, I think this is how we're going to sell the movie. It's going to go a little something like this. Uh, <laughs> that was, that was, that was a joy. That was really a joy. I, you know, I was dreading it. I was like, oh no. It's, oh. They're going to make a trailer. They're marketing people. They're going to make a trailer. They're, they don't know the heart of my, they don't know my art. But they didn't, it sells, they didn't for this. It sells. It sells. It's such a good yeah. trailer. It really sells the movie. And it's like, yeah. I mean, there's, there's certainly other things to appreciate about the movie. But if I'm, if I'm just, you know, in the marketplace of movies and there's so many, you know, and I, I want somebody to click and say, I want to see that. What a great job. So I'm really happy with that trailer. Um, but it just dropped, I think on the seventh. So just a few days ago. So, so geeks gave us look for the electric Jesus trailer pre-order electric Jesus. I think you're gonna like it. You know what? Go to like Spotify or wherever you listen to music and yeah, uh, listen to music. find that, find that soundtrack and geeks gave us, I can't tell you enough to listen to some of the great shows that we've been popping up here on the, on the network. Much, much thanks to Matt Kelly for helping organize all that stuff. Uh, I know that Chris is going to be on one of the future podcasts and all that. Um, and yeah, if you enjoyed Geekscape, share it with your friends, but electric Jesus, November 2nd, you want to pre-order before that so you can watch it. And uh, it's a great movie too. If you're going to have your family around this Thanksgiving, it's a really nice movie to have. Uh, I think it's for, I think it's all ages for the most part. PG thirteen. Yeah, I would say PG PG thirteen at the most. Yeah. But, it's a good um, Thanksgiving movie for families yeah. to watch. Yeah, I think it's a, it's fun. It's it, there's dude. There's not enough that I can say about this movie. I really am. I'm glad, dude. You're one of the best things that's happened to me in 2021. Just being friends with you, man. If you can't tell the last Thank you. conversation. Well, I, I I'm serious. This is my favorite uh, podcast conversation I've had um, because we just got to the. We got to the art, we got to the making. And that's, that's to me the thing. And I know to you too, and many people that are probably listening and watching, it's like, how do things happen? You know, how do you, how does something go, like you said, from nothing and, and becoming something? And to me, that's, that's, that's the real joy of, of having made the movie and also um, now reflecting on it as it comes out into the world. Like, how did this thing happen? I'm not even sure. You know, I can't wait for people to discover it. And then I can't wait for you to be back for your next film. Which we didn't even get a chance to talk about your past or your future. So there's more Geekscape in that. I know there's more Geekscape in your future. So we'll talk about I think so. I that. think there is. I think there uh, is. I love you, man. I uh, can't wait to hear Same you here. on One Hit Thunder. Um, Geekscape, thank you so much for joining us over and out. And don't hate, create. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.